Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. We are less than one month away from the beginning of the 2022 legislative session. Bills are being filed, budgets are being requested, and legislators are being indicted by grand juries. It's good to be home. My name is Andy Moore, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Dr. Scott Melson. Hello, and Happy New Year, good sir. Happy New Year to you, man. How are you? I'm well. I, uh, As listeners well know, Scott, you and I talk every day, yeah. um, although the last couple of weeks, the last week, has blown by since the New Year started. I don't think we even ask, <laughs> how was your Christmas? Did you have a good holiday? <laughs> yeah, man, it was good. It was, uh, it was blessedly COVID-free. It involved a lot of... It involved a lot of COVID testing, a lot of uh, logistical, logistical, uh, you know, uh, logistical something. What's the word? Logistics. logistics. Just yeah, logistics. There you go. <laughs> quit, quit trying to make an adjective. Uh, involved of a lot of logistics to make sure everybody was, you know, everybody had been tested at the appropriate time, the appropriate intervals, and, you know, everything was safe. And uh, uh, we were able to see uh, my family and see, uh, see Ashley's parents. We didn't get to see Ashley's extended family this was uh we had planned several months ago a couple of months ago when the situation was quite different we had planned uh a big uh, kind of new year's get together with her extended family in chicago um you know the week of christmas we had a a sit down with her parents we're like this is not a good idea for anybody to go to chicago which is fortunate because some of the chicago family ended up testing positive none of them were able to get together either it just you know our, our, our New Year's was quiet. It was quiet at home, and uh, but it was good. How about you? Yeah, same. Um, we actually have some family in Chicago as well um, who flew down, and it I mean it was the same thing. We lots of testing. Family in Texas, family here. Everyone got tested beforehand. Everyone got tested afterwards. Several times, I think. I think between uh, you know between December twentieth and today, we're recording this on Sunday, the 9th, I think. Katie and I both tested probably three times each based on exposures and, you know, some symptoms and potentiality there as well as her mom. And, uh, so far it has been negative, but yeah, man, this, this wave of Omicron, Omicron, whatever it is sucks. I mean, you know this, you well know this as a healthcare provider yourself. Um, but it is difficult. It is. And I think everyone is so weary right on this and we're not going to dwell on this today in this episode but um to listeners hey we are with you like this is um hard we will get through this and there's perhaps i don't want to be i don't want you know knock on on wood i don't want to be too optimistic but i think there's some indication that this wave could be potentially right the beginning of the end of this pandemic if we're lucky now the keys still are of course get vaccinated get boosted wear your GD mask. I, I will say we just ordered a bunch more um, KF94, right? Which is the yeah. uh, like Korean film. The, they're like, they're, they're not great. the duckbill ones, but it's the ones with like the, it's they're different than a N95, same effectiveness, but a different shape and more more comfortable. That's what I, that's what I wear every day. Yeah. So I wear, I wear a, a KF94, a new one every day with what's called a level three surgical mask uh, over it. So I have two masks Two masks yeah. every day. It's 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 very comfortable. It's my it's my preferred uh, COVID defense strategy. Well, and as someone who is a uh, primary care physician meeting with patients who have COVID, this seems reasonable, right? Like, yeah. 
I um, as someone who stays at home and just goes into Lowe's occasionally to pick up some <laughs> hardware, right? Like um, generally, that's uh, my my risk uh, is primarily that my daughter's daycare is closed for an additional two weeks. They're delaying their start because a ton of kid or a ton of the staff are sick with either COVID or flu or both, right? And they were like, "Let's just wait two weeks," and uh, so we are like many parents uh, scrambling to cover you know, childcare for the next two weeks so that we can kind of work around that. So I will be uh, undoubtedly texting you late at night as I stay up to like finish emails that I did not get to during the day when Margo and I were, uh, you know, learning how to walk. Hopefully, hopefully we've got, you know, not, you know, I, I think we're probably going to peak here in Oklahoma. Uh, we'll probably peak with cases here in the next 10 days to two weeks, something like that. And then have, you know, four to six week tail after that, we'll see that's what's happened. Uh, that's what's happened in in other in other countries. Yeah, South Africa um, and London, and the, England, and yeah, UK. Like that, yeah. So hopefully, you know, this surge has uh, it's been like a rocket ship going straight up. Uh, hopefully, it will uh, it will plummet just like a rocket ship that's out of fuel. So hopefully, yeah, I'm nervous that it'll be just a long tail and will it'll drag out until summer or something. I don't know. Right, I will be honest. Right now, it's cold today, and I was nice wearing a mask because uh, it keeps my face warm. <laughs> like I went in to pick up some uh, some food from uh, Tara Humara down there in Norman, and it was uh, nice. You you drove all the way to pick it up. Well, we I mean, were in Norman. My father in law is moving, and so we were packing his house, and uh, that meant lunch. And Pepe's is closed on Sundays. If you if you're in the great town of Norman, Norman, Norman Oklahoma, you can't can't do can't do any worse than uh, can't do any better rather than uh, Tara Humara. Tara, it's what you said. Yes, yeah, tar <laughs> you can't. It's good. Can't do any better than tar humor. We really wanted Pepe's, um, which is, of course, perhaps the gold standard in in Norman, but they were they're closed on Sundays. So, uh, well, Scott, this is officially our first podcast episode of 2022, and we are, I believe, officially entering our fifth calendar year of recording this show. Can you believe that? Hot damn! I think uh, we we will hit our. 200th episode sometime in March, right? Today is episode 190. So we've got 10 episodes before our 200th. Maybe Scott will get lucky and uh, your your prediction will come true that the pandemic will slide downward over the next 10 weeks and we can do something in person for our 200th episode. Lord willing and the Greek don't rise. That's right. Yeah. If uh, Maybe if nothing else, it's just, uh, you know, us, you and me, and, and Bailey, uh, ideally, in person, if not a, uh, a crowd. But I think for our 100th episode, we did uh, a show. Was that at New State Burgers we did that? I think that like, that was our 100th episode. It was a great time. Great was crowd. A good time. Man, it was a different time. It was pre-pandemic. It was pre, pre-pandemic. It was, yeah, because it was October of 19. Yeah. So it was sure about, uh, it was about, uh, it was about a month or so before a, a strange respiratory infection started infecting folks in Wuhan, China. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's like so weird to go back and think about like all the things that, like we were doing as this was starting and like no one knew. Right. Oh like, yeah. We had no idea. And that's, I mean, from a, a super like personal and nerdy thing, we with the podcast had really like found our groove, right? We bought new mics and a new mixer board. We bought a PA system to do more live events. And we were like, all right, we're finally hit the big time. And then we had to, like, <laughs> we did two shut episodes. It all down. And shut it all shut down. It down. Yeah. Well, well, here we are. 
Uh, well, Scott's uh, the legislative session starts February seventh, which is just a, a shy of a month from now. At which Governor Stitt will deliver the State of the State address as he does each year. What do you expect he's going to say? Let's talk. Let's talk about a few things today. Let me before you answer that, I'll let you think. Here's here's what we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about State of the State. We're going to talk about bill filing. We're going to talk about the budget preview. Uh, we're going to talk about Representative O'Donnell and what's up with him. Um, and and then maybe a couple of quick mentions. But that's the main thing. So let's start with the State of the State. What do you, And I'm sure we'll cover this again as we get closer. But based on what you know now, what do you think we'll hear from the governor in his State of the State address? So sometime in the first, like... He's gonna the, the the first paragraph will be a couple of sentences, introductions, and thank yous and hellos, dignitaries, whatever. But the first paragraph will end with "and Oklahoma is open for business." Will be that'll be the, that'll be the tagline of the uh, end of the first paragraph. That's fair. He he will not mention COVID at all, except to the extent to say that like unlike other governors, we. Unlike other states, we relied on personal responsibility, and so we've, like, conquered COVID, and that's really all he'll say about it. He'll talk about how the unemployment rate is really low. He'll make no mention at all of the tens of thousands of Oklahomans that have died during the last two years. He'll talk about McGirt and how it's destroying uh, the sovereignty of the state and how dogs are dying in Broken Arrow and, like, nothing can be done about it. He will, let's see, he'll mention tax relief. So let's see, open for business, unemployment, tax relief, McGirt. Oh, and then uh, how much he's fighting uh, Biden's federal overreach. Interesting. Okay, that's. I think that's some good predictions. I I would challenge you on a couple of things. I, I think you're right. He will say Oklahoma's open for business, right? He will talk about... Um, the, you know, the state of our state is good. We've overcome COVID. I think unemployment is something that he should uh, celebrate, right? That's a, a, a legitimately good talking point. Um, I don't, I, I really wonder if he will address McGirt because essentially this speech is to the legislature, right? Like it's a joint session, he gives it to them. And I don't, and it, it's not up to them, right? Like he might, but I don't know that that wins him any points in this venue. Now I get that he is, you know, low key. It's all he freaking talks about. It's like McGurn is like, I mean, like, you know, remember, in, uh, you know, when uh, Biden said that Giuliani's campaign slogan was a noun of verb in 9 11? Same thing about Stitt, a noun of verb of McGurt. That's right. That's true. And, and so I think that's, so that's the real thing. I, I wonder if his state of the state is going to be, I mean, I, it's going to be a campaign speech, right? For president. Like that's, well, it's going to be a campaign speech for governor, first of all, but then it'll be a campaign yeah, speech. That's true. Right? He's I mean, running like, for governor this year. And so I guess it really next year will be his campaign speech for a, a expected presidential run, at least expected by Scott and I. Yeah. I'm, uh, he will celebrate a few things. I think he will talk about fiscal responsibility, right? Fiscal, and, fiscal or physical? Well, <laughs> fiscal, physical. We're not, no, no, it's, we're irresponsible that way, right? It's just, uh, smoke them if you got them, don't wear a mask, right? Like that's the, <laughs> that's his, his take on that. But I think his, 
and I and we'll talk about this more in just a minute, but I do think there's some you know important and relevant and potentially even good budgetary news this year, which is unusual in our state. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think maybe we should make some kind of a some kind of bingo game for State of the State. Yes, we did this a few years ago. We absolutely should. I should take the day off. Should Ooh, we should do off. a live blog. I should, I should take the day off during the State of the State and play bingo, and we can turn it into a drinking game. That's I'm uh, I'm 100 for that. And we you know we did that live blog before, so even if we can't be together, uh, we can we can be on on video together, and then we can we can live blog it and play our bingo game. But we I remember we made a bingo card. I've got it somewhere. We should just update that and and publish it for uh, public consumption. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. There's well, also, go ahead. Well, I should say because because it is the you know the start of the legislative session is coming up. Bill filing deadline is here. Uh, what is it like in a week? Bill filing deadline? Something like that. It's uh, I think it, it the bill filing deadline ends January twentieth. So that gives like two weeks before session starts. So there's definitely some garbage that's already out there. Um, you know, we'll see some, we'll see some, uh, we'll see some good stuff. Uh, you know, there's a bill, bill out there that's been requested by the Oklahoma State Medical Association that would uh, require that two seats on the State Board of Health uh, be reserved for physicians. Uh, and so, uh, so that's a bill that's out there that uh, I'm personally quite interested in. Um, you know, I think we'll see some legislation, uh, both, you know. Positive, negative in terms of some negative legislation in terms of uh, vaccines and mandates and masking and those sorts of things. That seems like something that uh, that the lynch would do since we're still in the throes of the pandemic. Um, I would expect that we'll see uh, another another run at lowering the uh, state uh, corporate income tax by the speaker. That was one of his goals last session. Didn't get that. Didn't get state income tax eliminated though. They didn't get it cut. Right. I was like, they got it cut, but not eliminated. But but McCall still wants it to go away. He said that. So yeah, let's circle uh, back on that when we talk about the budget in just a minute. Then uh, we've got uh, the usual, you know, the the original, the the usual crew of uh, you know malcontents that are proposing nonsense. That I don't know how much <laughs> I don't know how much airtime we want to give to uh, the senator from Broken Arrow or the senator from Norman uh, and the and the the garbage that they that they they put out every year but there's been a lot of that so far yeah no i don't want to give much airtime to them nathan dom and and rob standrich to whom you refer um uh, annually put out uh yeah some some nonsense and some garbage uh and so i think um those bills as a reminder and, and and scott you you tweeted this the other day and i think your tweet is a a point well taken right uh that every year there's a bunch of bills that are that are filed, usually early, right? So they avoid the rush. So it's around this time of the year. They are filed with the explicit purpose of generating a news release, right? They put out a press release. They, here's the bill. And they're trying to get a, a little blip on your radar to let you know that these guys, and it's always guys, right? They uh they hate abortion. They love guns and and whatever else, right? They this is a, a just a news hit for them. Those bills rarely, if ever, even get heard in committee, right? Like they are they are DOA, um, and I think it's particularly important this year because it's an election year, and because both Senator Dom and Senator Standridge are up for re-election. Uh, no, they're not actually. They both are 
already in their last term. They both expire. They term out in 2024. Um, and so they've got nothing to lose and they are undoubtedly setting themselves up or trying to get back in the news for whatever they do next. Right. Yeah, no, that's a, uh, and for, you know, for what it's worth, uh, uh, Senator McCourtney, who is now the, uh, the floor leader over the Senate, he's taken on the position of floor leader from Senator, uh, previously held by Senator Kim David, uh, Senator McCourtney retweeted my tweet. So oh, did he really? Yeah. So He's on the same page. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, so your tweet said, this is an annual reminder that there are some members who file bills for the purpose of getting you know, in the news cycle, but they do not represent the majority of the legislators up there, yeah. which is exactly right. And I think, golly, given the events of the last 12 months, everybody, right, the public especially, would... Uh, is sick of that shit, man. That's what, like, we're just, just freaking waste of time. It's a waste, it's a waste of, time. of time. It's a waste of time and money. They use taxpayer funded resources, right? They use the staff to write these press releases. They put it out. It's not a lot of money, right? It's just, you know, someone took 15 minutes to write a press release, but just knock it off. Like just be, why can't you just be cool and normal and not just stop it? Yeah, that's right. Um, speaking of term limits though, I do want to say that, this is an interesting year because um, in the House, right, uh, all the members in the state house, everyone's up for re-election every two years. Uh, and that includes the speaker and, and the, everybody, right? So this is um, Speaker McCall's last re-election campaign as Speaker of the House or in the legislature. He will term out in 2024, as will John Eccles, as will... Uh, Terry O'Donnell, as well, most of the leadership um, in the House and the Senate. I think, um, I think, yeah, Senator Treat turns out in 24. Um, Lonnie Paxton, oh, he turns out in 28. Um, Standridge turns out in 24. Uh, there's a lot of folks either in 24 or in 28 that will turn out. So we've seen um, uh, a lot of people that are in the in the final days um, or final years of their, of their term. And that means in some cases a shift back, right? Away from that bleeding edge of conservatism to folks who are interested at the very last minute in establishing a bit of a legacy for themselves. In some cases, it's really helpful when it's people in leadership because they're like, listen, once I'm reelected, right? So maybe not this year, but the next year in 23 and in 24, they have an opportunity to get some bills passed uh, and to leave a legacy for themselves of good governance, right? And a positive impact on our state because they're not trying to pander to, to primary voters from their party. Oh, I agree. I mean, and I, you know, I, I hope that happens. I hope that's where, I hope that's what we see. Uh, you know, it's been, you know, the, the legislature, I think, recently, so within, you know, what was it, two years ago, two, two years ago like that, uh, maybe four years ago now, um, there was a concerted effort by some folks both inside and out of the legislature to get rid of the so-called platform caucus or get rid of a lot of the folks from the platform caucus. You know, John Bennett was one of the most prominent members. There were some other members of the really, really far right elements of the Republican Party in the legislature that were pushed out with uh, with by, by a coalition of some other Republicans, right? Um, um, 
in that has enabled the caucus, I think, in some ways to appear and in some ways be less extreme, right? However, you know, you've got folks that maybe look the part and say the right things, but it doesn't change the bills that actually get filed, right? Um, so we have seen, while there's been a lot less inflammatory rhetoric coming out of the legislature in some cases, um, we've still seen some pretty extreme bills pass, right? I mean, we've seen the bills as you can run over protesters. Um, you know, we saw so-called so constitutional carry was the first bill that Governor Stitt signed when he came into office. We've seen some really extreme stuff come out of this so-called more moderate version of of the Republican Party. So while I hope that you are right that you know term limits, et cetera, uh, inspire some folks to really think about what do they want to say they've accomplished in their time at 23rd and Lincoln, I I still I'm cynical. Yeah, no, I I get that. Uh, and I think that uh, Scott is important to remember about what's happened in the past with that platform caucus. Some of those folks ran again in 2020, um, but I expect we'll see even more of them run again in 2022, especially with new district lines and um, well, and just a I don't know a renewed energy in that sector of the voting base, right? And so. As we move towards November, gosh, I, I can't believe I'm saying this in January, but Election Day uh, this November is going to be pivotal for the future of Oklahoma, right? Because honestly, while a member, uh, a number of the leadership in the legislature, um, I think for a lot of our more progressive friends are absolutely abhorrent, right? Like they, they would view them as just way too conservative. I hate to tell you, but like there are people who are worse, right? Like there are dangerously... Um, fringe elements, right? Um, from both parties, but in in this state, like we have a preponderance of folks on the fringe right who, um, do not, um, how do I say this gently or accurately? Who do not do not respect the rule of law, right? Who do not respect the role of government in improving people's lives, um, and would be more inclined to use government and use their power to restrict the rights of people under the guise of freedom, right? Now, let me say that again. They would use their power in the government to restrict the rights of people under the guise of establishing freedom. And that is, I think you have to re there's a nuance there that people have to pay attention to. And that's, I don't like I don't like it. Like, I don't like, well, well, I mean, I am, I'm certain that we will talk more about this, particularly in the fall. Right. But like, I just want to put it out there that th we don't even know. Finally, it isn't until April. We don't even know who all is actually running for office this year, but, um, voters of Oklahoma be vigilant, right? Like, and, and there are a number of opportunities for you to get involved. And I, we'll come back to this at the very end of the episode. I will say right now, listeners, um, as we move into the legislative session and we are looking at what bills are coming up for um, uh, to, to be discussed, right? Well, most of them will be filed a uh, week after next, right? The week of the 20th. Uh, and so I think the 20th is a Thursday. So that week, um, 18th, 19th, 20th is when most of the bills are filed. 
if there's issues that you care about, listeners, we want to know. Send us an email at podcast at letsfixthis.org um, of what issues you care about most. If there are specific bills, let us know that too. But just what issues, right? Are you caring about the, the budget, about criminal justice, about health care, about uh, recreational marijuana, whatever it is, right? Um, let us know. And, uh, and I'll try to add them to our bill tracker. I'm, I'm getting it set up again this year. It was pretty helpful. And I think well-received last year, we use, uh, we use Legiscan. We did last year at least. Um, and that, that worked out well. Uh, and so if there's certain issues, let us know so that we can help pay attention and maybe, uh, follow those things a little bit more closely. I will say for Scott and I, we sometimes like following the more obscure things, right? Feral hogs sunscreen application by teachers. Those kinds of issues are sometimes interesting. Um, you know, food security in rural school districts. That's important, right? Maybe not something that affects my life directly because my kids go to school in Edmond and Oklahoma City, but um, it's something that affects a huge number of Oklahomans, um, many of my friends uh, and family. And so those kinds of issues we want to know. Email us, podcast at letsfixthis.org. And uh, we'll take a look. All right, well, Scott, let's move on to a brief budget preview. And I will say with a preface that in coming weeks, we'll have someone from the Oklahoma Policy Institute um, here to give us an update from their perspective. If we can get one of the budget chairmen, uh, the, that would be great. One of the A&B chairmen from the legislature, that would be great. Um, but we'll talk more and more about the budget, I'm certain, as session goes on. But as we look at it, um, they've announced, right, the, the Board of Equalization met mm, last week and said the state's looking at a about 10 bill. Now I have the hiccups. <laughs> says the state is looking at uh, about a $10 billion budget that could be appropriated, which is the largest in state history. Um, what do you, Scott, what do you, what do we expect that we'll see come budget discussion? Well, of, of that 10 billion, about 9 billion of that is recurring, right? Um, and that's, and that's what, what the governor will propose in his state of the state and the legislature presumably will take up, um, to spend on, you know, recurring expenses. So that probably means flat agency budgets, I would guess. Right. Um, so that leaves us about a billion dollar surplus, which is one one time funds that could be used for one time expenses. We could put that in the rainy day fund, which might make some sense. Um, I maintain this. I, I shouldn't say I maintain. My suspicion is that part of that will go in the rainy day fund. I think that they'll put part of that in the savings. Um, you don't you don't want to hear what I think they're going to do with the rest of it. What. Well, uh... <laughs> Well, so both um, Chairman Wallace and Chairman Thompson from the House and the Senate, right, the the Appropriations and Budget Chairman, have both said that they do not think that now is the time to cut taxes, right? They're going to cut time taxes. to cut corporate income taxes or personal income taxes. Yeah, they're going to cut taxes. You think so? Yeah. Do you think it'll be a? <laughs> do you, so I have some faith uh, in Chairman Thompson at least. I don't know Chairman Wallace as well. He seems like a straight shooter. Um, but I also think that he serves at the, well, largely at the pleasure of the speaker. Um, no, he, I mean, uh, entirely at the pleasure of the speaker. And I, I agree. They've both said that they don't think that now is the time to cut taxes. They said that last year that they didn't think it was the time to cut that corporate income tax either. They did. Right. Like they say this all the time, <laughs> right. At the beginning of session. Well, you know, we don't know. Just, just 
I mean, I I hope that I'm wrong, right? I hope I'm wrong. But I I uh if 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 we get to the end of the session and we haven't had a tax cut, you can color me surprised. This is the this is the bullshit that drives me bananas about politics. And I get that I now I guess essentially work in in advocacy and politics full time and it still drives me nuts, but that someone can honestly truthfully say I don't think now is the time to cut taxes. And then in three months be like, well, now it's the time, right? Like <laughs> they can, no, no, back in January, it definitely wasn't the time, but now it's April or May. And I think it's the time to do it because uh, they'll have another board of equalization meeting between now and, and then, right? That, that they'll have more updated numbers. They'll be looking at it. I mean, the, gov- the, the governor would love to run on the tax cut, right? Like, I mean, you know, I don't think it's any secret that uh, Senator Treat wants to be in Congress. He would love to run on cutting taxes again. Like, there's too many powerful interests that think that a tax cut is good for them politically for me to think that it's not going to happen. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm full of shit. I don't know. No, you're, I, I doubt it. I mean, sometimes you're full of shit, but I don't think it's on this issue. Now, so here's what I've heard from listening to interviews and reading interviews. I think I've heard two statements that seem to be uh they're definitely related i don't think they're in contrast with one another but these statements are um now is not the time to cut taxes we should save money we should put money in savings um and we should fund we should flat fund agencies and that's so that's the thing that i bump on and i need to go look it up and this is where okay policy will come in to help is that I think they can fund agencies flat and still cut taxes, right? Like this is where it's like, oh, these things are not not mutually exclusive. Now, uh, and I, I will be honest, um, week after next is the OK Policy Annual State Budget Summit. No, no, no. It's January 27th, end of the month. So they will kind of reveal a lot more information then they'll finish their kind of analysis. Uh, and so I expect we'll have someone from their, uh, agency or their organization on around then to talk about it. Cause I think that's what will happen, right? They can flat fund agencies at where they were funded last year, which is lower than they were funded 10 years ago. Just as a reminder, right? They have cut state agency funding over the last 10 years. Um, they can flat fund them and still, put some money in savings, right? Bump us up to like $2 billion in savings and maybe cut some kind of taxes. Maybe not yeah. corporate taxes, but like maybe oil and gas, maybe... Uh, and they'll say production. we can do it because there's a surplus. Even though the surplus is one-time funds, they'll say that they can do it because there's a surplus. They've done that before. Mm-hmm. They've cut like they've cut taxes on the basis of one-time funds in the past. There's no reason they wouldn't do it. They did it, they did it last year. Mm-hmm. They cut taxes based on one-time funds last year, right? So... Do you, yeah, and that's the other thing, right? Is that all of this one-time funds is ending, right? So the, the way that some of this federal funding that's flowing in, the legislature has been like, you know, this, the government, you know, the Biden administration is just overspending money, but we'll take it and then we'll use that money to cut taxes. And so um, do you think this will be an issue, Scott, where the governor and the legislature are at odds, right? I uh I don't think so. I think it might be an issue where the governor and the appropriations chairs are at odds. If if Chairman Wallace and Chairman Thompson 
really don't feel like it's you know a fiscally sound decision to cut taxes right now than they may be but i mean i will be i mean again i don't nobody in the, you know, i don't know anybody in the, i don't know anybody in the governor's office that'll talk to me um so there's people that are way more in the know than i am and maybe they think i'm crazy but i think the governor will ask for a tax cut i think mccall wants a tax cut mccall specifically wants to get rid of the corporate income tax and i think treat wants a cat wants a tax cut so hmm. if the governor the speaker and the pro tem all want a tax cut i think there'll be a tax cut I could see them not asking for it too forcefully, like not publicly, right? But maybe pushing for it behind the scenes because then they can run on the fact that they got it, but they don't have to have the double speak in public, right? Because they've already said like, now's not the time for a tax cut, but they can like close the door and be like, no, now is the time for a tax cut. You're going to do it. And so this way they can be like, hey, you know what? We had a good discussion and they all came to the same decision that we should... uh We've got the money. We should we should invest in Oklahoma's future by allowing businesses to pay less money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you, you know, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what that's what I think is going to happen. Hey, we'll so, find out in the next four months, man. Five months. There, there are also going to be some leadership changes this year, right? Uh, we had uh, Representative Terry O'Donnell is resigning his position as Speaker uh, Pro Tem, right? Why is why is he resigning, Andy? Well, Scott, he and his wife have been indicted by a grand jury for uh, roughly two or three felonies and one misdemeanor each. Um, I believe that is correct, yes. Yeah, and so this relates to a bill from last year, right, where uh, Representative O'Donnell, and to be clear, he's not resigning from the legislature. Just, a, his just from his position. his position, which was basically second in charge, right, in the in the House. Um, he is uh, he is resigning from that position because last year he authored and ran a bill that explicitly allowed legislators' spouses to own tag agencies. So it was previously prohibited, right? Um, and he... And, said, and then what happened, Andy? And then his wife inherited a tag agency miraculously no. no that's no that's coincidence those two things don't have anything to do with each other yeah apparently her she had a relative i think it was her mother her or mom. someone yeah um owned one and and she worked there and passed it on to her and i what's interesting scott is that well his statement gosh i don't have it pulled up but it basically was it was, like, it was it was wonderful. It was just <laughs> his statement was just incredible. I, it was uh, essentially like we did nothing wrong. Um, this is all a, you know a political hit job, and I'm just like Trump. I'm being persecuted for doing nothing wrong, just like Trump was. I mean, that's a good summary, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, but, but yeah. So the thing is, there is a um, a a law, right, that legislators should be allowed to take a, uh, a, a constitutional uh, right or kind of provision to, to step aside on votes that they have a conflict of interest with, right? Not only did he not exercise that right, he didn't, uh, he didn't pass or uh, abstain from the vote, he actually ran the bill. Uh, and so it, like, just on face value, it seems pretty obvious, right? The dude ran a bill to allow this to happen so that his wife could inherit this tag agency. And if you don't know, tag agencies 
are gold mines, right? Incredibly lucrative. Yes. Um, tons of money, and it is um, essentially a state-sanctioned monopoly on tags. I mean, you can go to any tag agency, but it's a huge deal. Uh, and so... Because there's of- a limited number of tag agencies. Like, you can't just, like, you can't just decide this week, like, hey, I want to go own a tag agency. Right. Like, that's right. not... That's not a thing. Right. There's a limited number and and the public has to go to them for a service. And so they have a dedicated source of revenue. And the more people that live in our state means the more money that tag agencies make. Now, location matters and all of that matters, but um, it's a big deal. Um, he, so the, the other thing with this, Scott, I think, right, that's important to note is that it's not like some DA who had beef with him filed charges. This went before a grand jury. And it's, so it a, was the, it was the multi-county grand jury, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like this was the AG. This was like the AG's grand jury, not like yeah. the Oklahoma County grand jury. Right, right. So a, a, a grand jury of peers, right? And grand juries are usually 20 people, I think. I don't know how grand they are, but they're definitely bigger than a regular jury. <laughs> so... This is, this is just a great jury. It's not grand, right? Yeah. So I think grand juries typically have 20 jurors, but basically they hear all of the evidence presented to them, and then they choose whether or not to indict the person, and then it goes to trial. And so it's not like one... So his accusation that this is like a political hit job by one person or a couple of people may be true. I honestly don't know, but I do know that a grand jury of his peers, of regular folks had to hear the evidence and be like, uh, yeah, uh, we should charge him on this. And now it goes goes to trial, right, where everything else is presented. And I think that is, I, I will say, somewhat damning evidence because it just smells, it smells like... Uh, like a freaking rat. Yeah, it smells like, like corruption. It smells yeah. like corruption. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll obviously be keeping uh, tabs on that. Again, I think uh, Representative O'Donnell is in his last two years, so he's running for re-election in the midst of this, which is certainly difficult, but... Um, yeah, he'll probably win. Do you remember, Scott, in 2017, 2018, when we had a rash of resignations and departures from the legislature, right? Uh, Kyle Loveless and Ralph Shorty and all of the... For very different reasons, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, one to go to prison, one to be a lobbyist. Yeah. Uh, well... Not, no, is no Loveless was uh, misuse of campaign funds. Who am I thinking of? Who who? Uh, oh, that was uh, Cockcroft. Yeah, he resigned to be a lobbyist. Yeah, uh, and also um, Scott uh, down in Norman. Um, I forget his last name now, uh, but he left to be a lobbyist as well. But there was like eight or nine people who left in one term, and that left some big vacancies. Right, there's several special elections and. Um, and then some folks who just didn't have representation for a period of time. All right, Scott. Well, uh, before we go today, I think we're going to have a, a slightly shorter episode than usual, but I did want to mention that there are, I think actually three ballot measures that are in the pipeline right now related to, uh, recreational marijuana, which is essentially legalized marijuana, right? Um, it's, uh, state questions, um, 818, 819, and 820, I think are the numbers that they've been assigned. Two of them are related. The other one's separate. 
the Oklahoman has some really good articles on this that as of today, I think they came out today, so they're still behind the paywall, but uh, look for them this week, and I will link to them in the show notes if you're interested. Um, but essentially, we saw this last year. Some of this has some big national money, right, outside groups that are promoting this. And at this point, Scott, um, as a medical provider, how do you feel about our current medical marijuana uh, economy, and do you think recreational marijuana would even be a noticeable change? I mean, I guess maybe because <laughs> like there's people that don't want to pay the hundred or hundred and fifty or whatever it costs to go get your medical marijuana license. I'll put it like this: I I I have never had a patient tell me they were going to go get their medical marijuana card, and then also tell me that they couldn't. Right. Right. No, like, it's I've, incredibly I have yet easy. To, yeah. I have yet to meet someone who wanted one and was told they didn't qualify. I'll be honest. I don't know. I mean, I assume that if we pass recreational marijuana, a bunch of a bunch more people are going to try and open dispensaries, and I don't know how they're all going to stay open, but so far they are. So we'll just, you know, we should just convert Crossroads Mall to like a dispensary warehouse. Well, they're going to open. <laughs> they're going to open a grow operation there, aren't they? I mean, yeah. I mean, just yeah, do that. That's fine. <laughs> I, I was just making a joke, and I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're already on it. Crossroads Mall. Has been yeah, just, can we just put all the dispensaries there? It's like the one-stop shop. Everybody can go to Crossroads Mall and get your weed. So, I mean, there's been a number of uh, of publications or nationwide publications that have identified Oklahoma as like one of or the largest marijuana market in the country. Oh, we have more dispensaries than Colorado, Oregon, and Washington combined. Golly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, one of our friends uh, lives in Colorado and talks about how rarely they see a dispensary, whereas here five have opened up in the last half, in the last year in the half mile near my house. Five in one half yeah. mile. There's not that many of anything else. There's not that many fried chicken joints in that stretch. Oklahomans love their weed, man. Imagine, imagine if you imagine if you had to have a, a COVID vaccine to get your medical marijuana card. What a oh. different man. Yeah. The, uh, what state is that that it was implementing? Uh, Quebec. Oh, yeah. Up in, Quebec. Up so in, up in a... Canada. So in, in, in Quebec province now in Canada to uh, buy alcohol in a liquor store or buy marijuana, you have to have a sugar vaccine card. Yeah. Imagine that. Vaccine, vaccine rate is skyrocketing. That's, you know, what kind of freedom is that, Scott? Going to be vaccinated to get your dope. Uh, I mean, and, you know, again, no. Uh, I'm not looking down my nose at anybody for having their marijuana card any more than people who uh, buy liquor or whatever else. But I think that's uh, that's perhaps a path to a higher vaccination rate for our state. Yeah, man. Let's make it. Let's 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 make it public health. Make a public health policy. Hey, it doesn't have to even be a law. You can just choose to do it. If you are a dispensary owner, listen to this podcast. And you'd like to uh, require vaccines. There's plenty of ways. If you want help on on messaging, on how to how to write that in a way that is more accessible and uh, approachable to the public, even those that are what do we call it, vaccine hesitant, let us know. I've got uh, a little experience in this area. Happy to help. Right. So, all right, Scott. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for being here, sir. Man, I wouldn't miss it. Listeners, you should know it's uh, uh, we we're not able to record on our usual Friday afternoon this week, so it's uh, it is now about nine thirty on Sunday night. Hence, why I sound congested and like I'm sleepy. Listeners, we'll uh, try to get back on and stay on track 
for the spring because we I will say we're excited about the legislative session. And I will tell you, if you go to our website, letsfixthis.org, we have uh, done a bit of a refresh on the website for the new year. There's new ways to sign up um, for our email list, to volunteer. We will have opportunities to volunteer both, uh, I mean, not in person, right? Like there's there's ways that you can text bank, you can do uh, calls, those kinds of things will be coming your way, uh, as well as when it's appropriate and safe, perhaps some in-person um, efforts as well. We are really scaling up in 2022. Uh, thank you for listening. Listeners, remember that decisions are made by those who show up. We hope that you will find ways to show up for your friends, for your neighbors, for our state in the coming week. Have a good night.